Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. Longhorn Notebook. And it is brought to you by Aaron Bowersock, the home loan expert. And she is also your Longhorn lender. Check her out on the web at bowersockteam.com. Start with some college baseball and mm-hmm. then weave our way back to football. Preseason all Big 12 baseball team is out, which probably means the preseason coaches poll for the Big 12 is going to come out tomorrow, I would think. Uh, Craig, would it surprise you to know there is not a single Longhorn position player on the preseason all Big 12 team as voted on by the league's coaches? Um, well, you know, the the mere fact that that uh, that they, they weren't ranked – Mm-hmm. Maybe think okay. I guess they're being a little more lightly regarded, and so therefore, it would then not be a shock if that were the case. Yeah, uh, the you know the only guys that I could say in, in terms of position players because I think you know, I have no Ivan Melendez, no Trey Faltini, no Skyler Messenger, Silas Ardwan, Doug Hodo. Uh, you can make really good arguments for Dylan Campbell or Eric Kennedy, uh, maybe even one for Mitch Daly. But it's hard to argue with what the Big 12 did at those at those positions, both in the infield and the outfield. A lot of proven commodities coming back in the league. Two Longhorns did make the preseason All-Big 12 team, though. Surprise, surprise on that pitching staff. Lucas Gordon, preseason first-team All-Big 12-er, as is Tanner Witt. But that's going to be one of the big questions for David Pierce whenever we meet with him ahead of the season is what does that timeline look like for Tanner Witt to come back? In my head, and I don't this isn't, in the inside information, I haven't talked to anybody over at the dish. In my mind, I see the timeline for Tanner Witt, if it works out, being very similar to what you saw Skip Johnson do last year at OU with Kate Horton coming off of Tommy mm-hmm. John, where you gradually kind of get him comfortable, mm-hmm. let him work his way back, then hopefully by the time you get into the back half of your conference schedule, by the time you get to the conference tournament, he's up. 100% ready, raring to go. And, Craig, we saw Kate Horton in that conference tournament last year for OU. We saw him in the conference tournament, but we saw him a little bit before that in that series of Globe Life in the 1st of April. This looked like a completely different cat. Absolutely. Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, and I think that's a good comparison there, what you're talking about with Kate Horton. Uh, so let we, not much to talk about on the football side. The hiring of Chris Jackson as a wide receivers coach is official. Uh, I was actually on my way home yesterday after recording uh, the Longhorn Blitz podcast uh, and saw the uh, the reports from some of the Jaguars beat writers that mm-hmm. Chris Jackson had informed Doug Peterson that he was taking the Texas job. Remember, uh, and I knew people were going to do this. Well, didn't he say he was not going to Texas? No, no, no. If you look at that tweet he put out, that was a, a non-denial denial. So left himself some cover. Uh, but this is, you know, it goes back to everything we've talked about since the start, Craig. And again, For the sake of repeating myself, what I've said for the last week, I don't want to belabor the point with the wide receiver position because we've talked a lot about it. But Sark was really looking for, first and foremost, a guy that can develop the talent in that room. I feel like from a recruiting standpoint, and and I know that Mike Roach has a story at Horns 24-7 right now if you want to get over there and look at Chris Jackson's potential impact as a recruiter. I feel like you've got enough guys who can help you recruit on this staff. And namely Jeff Banks. So there's the the relationship mm-hmm. is between those two that played together at Washington State. 
If you can have a guy like Jeff Banks piggyback some of those recruitments or help get your foot in the door in some of those recruitments, I think you're going to be fine. And I heard Rod make a great point about this on Baldwin Online yesterday afternoon. When you get down to recruiting, recruiting is all about relationships. As long mm-hmm. as you're not an a-hole and you can form relationships with people and communicate and relate with you know, the 16-, 17-, 18-year-olds in society today, you, you should, you, you'll be able to recruit. That's, that's no problem. Right. But furthermore, you know, Sark's offense is one that sells itself – at the receiver position. And I think when you've got a quarterback room with Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning and Malik Murphy, and you see Sark's track record with receivers, look at the guys he's coached that are in the NFL right now, look at the number of draft picks he's produced, whether he's been an offensive coordinator or a head coach, a wide receiver, uh, it speaks for itself. So I think the combination of you know, you've got a staff that we know has recruiting chops at Texas, they can recruit elite talent to Texas, on top of the fact that this offense is very receiver-friendly, I don't see recruiting being a really big problem for Chris Jackson. Like I said, right. as long as he's able to form relationships with recruits and can be a people person, which I don't think – Sark would have hired him if he didn't feel like he could do that. No, because he, he wants all of them to be able to recruit. He's not – he wasn't hiring it, and, and I hope nobody thought this, that he wasn't hiring someone in a vacuum as, as – uh, with regards to recruiting, like I don't need a recruiter. I need a guy who can coach. But you need all of the above with all of your coaches. Yeah. They all need to be able to recruit. They all need to be able to coach their positions. They all need to be able to develop talent. It all goes into it. Uh, I know it drew a lot of attention, and rightly so, about wanting to get a, a talent developer for the wide receiver spot that the recruiting piece became not as critical Mm-hmm. As the other, but you still want a guy who can recruit. I I really think you you look at the receivers coaches Texas has had over the last twenty plus years. Daryl Drake I think did the best job of of filling both roles at an elite level in terms of being able to recruit elite talent. You talk to B J Johnson, Roy Williams, the guys that played for Daryl Drake were recruited by him. They'll tell you that he sold them on the program first and foremost, and then he developed talent. Daryl Drake put a lot of guys in the NFL, and we we saw how much the NFL valued his ability to develop talent because he spent uh, a vast majority of his career uh, until his passing coaching in the National Football League. So Daryl Drake did both at a really high level. You know, Bobby Kennedy, better recruiter than he was a a developer of the position. I think Daryl Wyatt was pretty good at both. I don't think he was elite at either, but he was pretty good at both. Uh, you know, Les Koenig was only here for a year. Charlie Williams was only here for a year, but I felt like in terms of being a developer, I feel like Charlie Williams got the most out of that receiver room. I mean, you go look at the number of 25, 30 catch seasons, whether it was Amani Foreman, Jake Oliver, Petey Warwick. I think Colin Johnson had 28 catches as a true freshman. I Charlie Williams got a lot. And Quan Cosby sold me on the Charlie Williams. I remember talking to Quan because – uh, he was Quan's position coach in Indianapolis. We were talking to Quan after that hire, and Quan told me that Charlie Williams, just in terms of being a coach, a developer, uh, being able to relate to players would be really good. And I felt like for the one year he was, uh, Drew Maringer, much better recruiter than he was coach of the position. Uh, so you know, Brennan Marion was only here for a year, so how much can you really say? Andre Coleman, probably a better re- developer of the position than he was a recruiter. So you can find, you can get both. It's just been a while since Texas has had both. Yeah. at the Or a guy that's been here for more than a year, yeah. where we can really figure it out. That's true. A good point there. You know, I was just looking as as you were a moment ago at that preseason All Big Twelve baseball team, and I look at that list, and a good chunk of them 
are guys that I could almost swear to you are in their seventh or eighth year of eligibility. (laughs) Guys have just been there forever. Nick Goodwin at Kansas State. It seems like he's been there forever. Forever. There's some uh, of those TCU guys that I, I could have Brayton sworn Taylor. had didn't have eligibility left. Um, uh, uh, Elijah Nunez uh, was there. Ty Coleman at Tech. Nolan McLean of Oklahoma State. Now the reason I said about Nolan McLean is Nolan McLean, who I believe is a native of either Canada or Minnesota, he is on his fourth school. And and cashing his COVID years, well, he played at Kentucky, he played Juco, <laughs> and I think he might have played at Minnesota as well. He's been around a long time. Uh, you mentioned Lucas Gordon and Tanner Witt there in the Did starting. You mentioned pitchers. Ty Coleman at Tech. Ty Coleman at Tech. My goodness, been around a lot. Garrett Wright at TCU, Luke Savage at TCU. Those are guys that have been around. I, I Even thought, Mason Molina, I think, has been I around. Like Luke Savage left like two years ago. <laughs> I know. Uh, good players, good ball player. Braden Taylor, TCU is he's good. I'm interested to see this uh, Jerron Watts-Brown, the uh, preseason pitcher of the year for Oklahoma State and preseason newcomer of the year. And then Anthony Silva, TCU from San Antonio, the preseason freshman of the year. So it's uh, it's going to be a pretty interesting uh, Big 12 baseball season. Looking so, forward to that. So I've got one more football note before yes. we move on. If you've been paying attention to Mike Roach at Horns 24-7 mm-hmm. and Hudson Standish. Best, and why wouldn't you? Best recruiting coverage in the Texas market you get from my guys at Horns 24-7. Uh, Mike has been saying, hey, it sounds like Texas is done in the class of 2023, but this staff is going to leave no stone unturned making sure before you get to signing day, if there's anybody that they deem that they feel can help them, they might go in on it. Mike is reporting this morning that Warren Roberson, defensive back out of Red Oak, committed to TCU, did not sign with the Horn Frogs in the early period. Mike Roach reporting now he's going to take a visit to Texas this weekend. Ah, Okay. Okay. Warren Roberson, that's a four-star prospect, uh, number 253 overall in the uh, 24-7 sports composite rankings, top 50 prospect consensusly in the state of Texas. Consensusly, okay. is that a word? Consensusly? Uh, I don't think so. Cons- I don't think so either. Yeah. That's a dang That's a dang verbal mistake on my <laughs> But Warren Roberson from Red Oak, going to visit this weekend, according to Mike Roberson. Okay. 